0: So today we have the follow-up to that uh, COVID podcast that we had a couple uh, a week ago, and we got a very interesting question from one of our listeners. This is Johnson Yesudas, and he asked, what is your response to the Swedish reaction to the COVID conundrum? Uh, what's your response to Sweden's uh, government's decision? So I thought it will be good if you could first tell us what is this reaction of theirs? How do they deal with things?
1: Right. Uh, thanks, Johnson. I mean, I saw your question on Facebook and I'm glad that you've given me the opportunity to explain it a little bit. Uh, so the big issue is, is Sweden doing anything? Because the images that we see on our TV screens or in social media, are pictures of Swedes sitting outside in parks, in clubs, in restaurants. They can go to the gym. And you wonder, haven't they heard of this COVID pandemic? Don't they know that the rest of the world is under a lockdown? What are they doing? And then the news starts filtering in that they are trying to achieve what is called herd immunity, which means they believe this virus is going to spread and spread and spread and nothing can stop it until a larger proportion of their population become infected and become immune so that the infection cannot spread further because most people are immune, which means roughly around 60 to 70% of their population need to have got the infection and the overcome And that's herd immunity. The concern that everybody had is, but a proportion of them are going to die. And if you don't do anything, this will overwhelm you. So, that was the concern. Right. So ac- actually, if you dive down into what they're trying to do, they've got a different strategy. They have the same kind of precautions that the rest of the world is taking, which is hygiene, hand hygiene, cover, you know, you know etiquette about sneezing and coughing and wash your hands, you know, inside stains, you know, indoors as far as possible if you're sick. Uh, The only thing they don't recommend is the wearing of masks because there are other countries also who don't actually recommend wearing masks because they want to conserve masks for healthcare work. So that's what they seem to say. And they've got social distancing rules as well. You cannot, more than 50 people cannot gather. Although this does not apply to schools and their schools are up to the age of 16. It's compulsory for kids to go to school. Hmm. and uh, they have uh, you know a lot of the social distancing norm no unnecessary travel uh, you know keep arms length apart that's the thing so it's not as if they're not doing anything they're trying to do the same thing that all of us are doing but they're doing it in a less restrictive way right so then what is the core of the strategy
0: because like you've said uh, a lot of the directions they've given is, uh, is in line with what the rest of the world is doing So what specifically are they doing that the rest of the world isn't?
1: Which is why someone like Johnson would ask this question. So the issue is this. First is, it's a myth to say they are primarily trying to get herd immunity. uh, The head of their public health agency and their foreign minister have gone on record saying, we are not trying to do that primarily. Our policy is to try and save lives by slowing the spread of the virus protecting the elderly by asking them to isolate and not come out too much and not let people go too much and infect them. And at the same time, allow life to go on as normal, as far as possible, keeping the social distancing. So that we can sustain this in the long run. So they don't believe in a lockdown. They believe in all these guidelines being put in place and they expect that people will follow. So that's the conundrum. The conundrum for the rest of the world about Sweden is not about COVID. We have the same infection going around the world. The conundrum for us is how in the world are they planning to stop this virus spread by just giving some guidance and not having too many restrictions like, you know, lockdowns and police on the streets and fines. That's the conundrum. Right. And so
0: why did they think that this particular balancing act that they're, that they're
1: doing. Why do they think that would work? Okay. So what uh, you must understand is uh, most countries, the decision on what to do is largely made by their leaders. Right? So you have powerful leaders like Donald Trump or Jared Bolsonaro or our Prime Minister Modi or someone who comes out of the policy. They would have got some advice. No doubt. right? The difference in Sweden is This decision is made by the public health agency. And the prime minister and the government have to follow the advice of the public health agency. That's because according to the Swedish constitution, when it comes to matters of public health, there is a clear separation of powers. And the Swedish constitution has got an inbuilt clause saying we must prevent the rule of ministers when it comes to public health. So the person leading the response there and the person you'll see on TV is the state epidemiologist, or the chief state epidemiologist of the public health agency. They make the form, formulate the policies, but they work with county medical councils and the county officers and other bodies like health providers and stuff. It's a kind of a public health response. And the government has to follow the guide, recommendations of the public health agency. So that's the first Major issue why they, they said because science dictated, and the public health agency made decision based on science. What is the science? They looked at the data which came out from China and from Italy, and they looked at all the international guidelines, and they also looked very carefully at the Imperial College modeling estimate, which actually changed policy for the UK and the Netherlands. See, you may remember. That Boris Johnson initially, his government's policy was exactly what Sweden is doing virtually. Don't go too harsh. Let this virus spread. It'll largely kill mainly young, uh, older people. So we'll isolate them. The rest of the people are young, nothing is going to happen to them. They can go about their work. And then what would happen is that the virus would spread and we'd have herd immunity. The Imperial College made estimates. And They showed if you did nothing, 500,000, and they made an estimation for the U.S. They said the U.S. would lose 1.2 million, 2.2 million by August, if you did nothing, right? You probably get herd immunity, but at the cost of a lot of deaths. So that was, nobody wanted that. What's the next strategy that Imperial College suggested? It's called mitigation. You're not trying to stop the virus or allow it to free reign you'll we'll try and slow it down. So the Imperial College model says that if you try mitigation, various things like one, close your international borders, what would be the effect? Two, close your universities and schools, what would be the effect? So looking at multiple interventions you could find, they said if you close schools, universities, if you isolate people who are ill, really quarantine them, and if you have general social distancing for the general public, that would be the best strategy in terms of trying to slow the virus down. But even then, your health system would be overrun. You would very soon not have enough beds and ventilators for these people. And you will lose, Britain would lose about uh, half the number, 250,000 people by August. And the US half of what would happen if you did not. So they said, while this can help, it is still going to cost a lot of life. The third option they suggested was suppress, which means what you're trying to do is slow down the transmission of the virus so much that its reproductive, basic reproductive number, which is the rate at which it spreads, comes to below one. That means one person cannot infect even another person. Then the epidemic would die. So suppression requires you to have at least five months where nobody goes out, all the social distancing norms are put in place. Meaning extreme, like Wuhan, what China did, kind of thing. You've got to sustain it for about five months. Then Britain would lose maybe around 20,000. So that was the model that Boris Johnson ultimately overnight they changed. They took about three weeks to come to this decision, but overnight once they got this model they changed. So you would expect that Sweden should also follow this but Sweden was not very happy with this model. They felt any model requires a lot of inputs. Like, you know, you have to assume how I mean, what is the rate of the virus at this point? How many beds do you have? So making all these assumptions, they come to this model. And Sweden said, listen, you change any of these assumptions, the model is not so pessimistic. So they said, for example, they said countries have a certain number of critical care beds. They forget that when countries act, they'll triple the number of critical care. Beds. So things change. And the Imperial College model did not take that into account. They believed we won't follow that model. But we do accept we have to mitigate because we only got a certain amount of beds. And we've got older people, many of them live in nursing homes. We've got to protect them. But the rest of the people, with some reasonable, you know, restrictions like social distancing and work from home, that kind of policies, we would be fine. We would have to balance loss of lives with loss of business. Businesses have to survive because if there's no income, you can't manage public health. So that was their strategy. we reject the idea of suppression because the other thing they said is, how long can you keep a population suppressed and locked up? And the analogy they use is very interesting. What they said is, you got a car going at 100 kilometers an hour and you think it's going too fast. Suddenly, you tell them, okay, now you've got to go at 10 kilometers. Sure. They'll, they might listen to you, but how long will they keep going at 10 kilometers? Suddenly, you'll find one guy who's got a new Maserati He will want to speed. He will go. So What their strategy was, you cannot sustain lockdowns. Already. And it's damaging to everybody. So, we will do a wire media. Let them go at around 50 kilometers. Right? They can sustain that for much longer. So the Swedes believe their strategy is sustainable for as long as it takes and it will cause the least economic damage and they hope it will protect lives of the elderly and vulnerable as well. Fascinating. fascinating. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Fascinating. So it looks like we have uh, what separates Sweden is one, they've managed to uh, sort of divorce political Motives and decision-making from public health motives and decision-making. And now that we put it in the hands of public health professionals, they have made an analysis and are saying, to oversimplify, we have a spectrum. On one end, let people just go out there, develop herd immunity. Some people will die. That's how life is. On the other extreme, you have a strict lockdown where everyone is kept at home. Let's try and uh, slow the spread of the virus. Sweden feels that that's not sustainable and there are other issues. And so they've come to a sort of middle of that spectrum.
1: Right. So what people thought they were doing is trying to achieve herd immunity. What they're saying is, no, we are also trying to do what the rest of the world is doing. We also hope that, uh, you know, we will prevent, save lives. But we also want to balance the whole approach and keep it sustainable. And we hope that herd immunity will be a byproduct of it. Because by allowing people to go out and get infected if they are well, they isolate, no problem. But we protect the vulnerable, but we keep our businesses open. And this is a sustainable thing. And moreover, they said that's the way we do it in Sweden. Our decisions are built on mutual trust. In Sweden, asking people to lock down is not the way we do it. And we don't think it's necessary. And in fact, we think it may be harmful. Because what they said is you take the case of Finland and other places, they're trying to do lockdowns, right? When they open up, they'll may come back. That's what the Imperial College model showed. That so the moment you lift a lockdown, uninfected people will get infected again. And then you'll find a spike. And the second wave that everybody is afraid of now may become even more of a problem than the first wave. That's what they are basing their assumption why they chose this one. Combination of, you know, we can't just allow herd immunity automatically, but if we slow things down, protect the vulnerable, keep our businesses going, eventually, in the long run, we will have done a good one. Wow, okay.
0: Now, yes, I- I'm impressed with the reasoning, but is
1: this working? Well, it's like this. Uh, let's ask this question. The reasoning was this, but before I asked them, ask, is it working? I would ask another question. Why did they think it would work in the first place? You know, if you ask me in India that this is our policy, this is what we should do, would you think it to work? You'd say, no way. And I'll tell you why they thought it could work in Sweden. Firstly, as I said, it's driven by data, by everything. But the most important thing is in Sweden. There is a lot of trust between the government and uh, the public. If you look at data and surveys on trust, public trust, the Swedes, along with all the Scandinavian Nordic countries, they rank way up in public trust in the government, in the law, in police, systems like that. That's one issue, public trust, critical. And most of the Swedes who interviewed have said, this is the key reason. We trust our people will obey our recommendations because they think we are doing it in public good. And the government trusts the people because they think they are reasonable. They are adults. And the Swedes trust each other that they will all comply. So these three aspects is critical to the decision making for them. Second thing is feasibility. Sweden is a wealthy country. They pay some of the highest taxes in the world, and tax evasion is non-existent. Everybody pays their taxes, even though it's very high. Their immunization rates are in the 95, high 90s. 90. People comply with the regulations. They've got, uh, you know, health spending is among the best in the world. The scores they score in high 90s in terms of amount of investment in health. And the quality of health Their health system is rated number three in the world. They don't have too many doctors, nurses, and you know, ventilators and stuff, but they don't need them because they're all trying to save stay out of hospital, keep healthy. So that's the other Then if you look at the other thing, it's the population. It's got a population of 10.1 million compared to our 1.3 billion, right? And the population density is such that 25 people per square kilometer. It's deserted. Although most of the people live in cities, right? And there is a fair number of older people. Many of these older people also live alone. And one more thing. Most Swedes are used to social distancing. Anyway because of their small population. And because Sweden wants their citizens to be independent. When I was in Sweden, I visited a place called Lynchburg, where one of the earliest cases of COVID was found. And there's hardly anyone. You can go for miles and miles, of beautiful, beautiful forests and roads, but nobody inside. And I was telling my host who had been to India, he said, I said, this is surreal. I have to get used to this. And hardly anyone. He said, yeah, I know. When we come to India, we've got to get used to the hordes oh, of people. So your problem is overcrowding. Our problem is loneliness. And they said, from childhood, we teach our children how to be independent and strong to avoid loneliness. So most young Swedes leave home by the time they are about 16 to 18. The lowest age of leaving home for the whole of the year. And Sweden is a welfare state, so it provides things for citizens so they don't have to depend on their parents. And there are hardly any multi-generational families. Over 50% of Swedes live on their own in small compatibles. So this mixing that can spread the virus is not there people are self-reliant the other important thing you ask people to work from home the internet coverage both high-speed broadband as well as regular broadband is among the best in the world both in rural and urban areas. and most streets are computer savvy so working from home very easy doable finally disaster preparedness Sweden has got a long history of preparing for emergencies. And if you look at the Global Health Security Index, Sweden is way up there. So it's the responsibility of the citizens to be prepared for emergencies. And the government makes it possible by them giving pamphlets, letting people know what you should do in this. They've got something called What If War or Crisis Breaks. Every household has a pamphlet checklist, banks will be closed, this will happen, wow. this will happen, this uh, is what you do. Everybody knows what to do. So tell me, I don't know many other countries who have this mix of trust, facilities, affluence, health systems, and preparedness, and independence, with very little population density, who can say we will do what Sweden is doing. They're unique.
0: I I love the nuance here. So it's not as simple as saying, um, this is what Sweden is doing, why can't we do it? Your response has to be tailored to the needs of your country. So it's not a direct carryover of what they're doing sounds interesting. Why don't we do it? So then what can we learn
1: from this? Uh, India, India,
0: how can we adapt our yeah. response?
1: No, but uh, before we get to that, I'll answer the question you asked me a little earlier. Is it working? Mm-hmm. So we had worked to say, what is their strategy? Why did they come to that strategy? Does it make sense? Yes, so far it makes sense. Is it working? Unfortunately, if you look at statistics today, you cannot compare statistics from different parts of the world because there are a lot of differences in the way people report. What is the definition of a case? Who they test? How early they test? How wide their testing is? What the test results are? Do they report it? All kinds of things, and even death. You know, do you report anyone who looks like he died of COVID as COVID death or only we had a test? So, so many things are there, but you can compare within the same frameworks. You look at the Nordic countries, right? If you compare Denmark, Finland, and Norway, who closed very early and have got locked right And now they're trying to emerge out of the lockdown. Their rates of infection, they are half the size of, of Sweden's population. But put together, the number of deaths they've had is almost half of, or one third of what Sweden has had. You know, Sweden has had far more deaths per million population than uh, all the other Nordic countries. And they have not even done half it. They have, don't have an active program of contact tracing and testing. So that is one of the problems. But if you ask the uh, Swedish health authorities, they say, yes, our problem has been this. We have not even been able to protect the elderly because half the deaths that have occurred in Stockholm mainly are among older people in care homes. So although they had a strategy, they didn't realize that their care homes, staff are looking after very old people. They're not really used to trying to protect them. They're giving them a comfortable time before they die. And many of them died. So the Swedish people are shocked. They're very upset. There's a lot of dissent about the fact that these deaths are. But even today, there's a lot of popular support for this policy. In fact, under Stagnant, is the most popular guy in Sweden. He's got his face tattooed on people's forearms and biceps. There are t shirts. I would know, yeah. the policy is still popular, although there is some dissent. And what their argument is this sure, if you follow this kind of relaxed policy, you will see more deaths. But we have many more people who are immune. They, they kind of estimate that around 20 to 30% of people in Stockholm are already got immune. And they say that by the end of the year, most people didn't think. So when this comes back in other countries, when they lift their uh, lockdowns, they're going to see waves there. And people, the kind of people who died in Sweden will die there also. So one of that epidemiologists, in fact, he was a guy who hired Andy Segner, and he's made a big video which has gone viral. he says, ask me this question, did it work next year? And we will probably have the same amount of proportion of debts in your country and our country. The economy has taken a hit. The Wall Street Journal came out with an article saying that economic indicators are way off in Sweden, also, in spite of the fact that they are Why? Because when you do any restrictions, businesses come down. Swedish pumped a lot of money to keep the economy going, but Norway did the same. Right? Economy is taken a hit everywhere. But next year, would Sweden have? done better we don't at this stage i can tell you they've had a lot of deaths but they're staying resolute they might become they might go more our way and they might become more stringent they have done for example earlier on they would allowed gatherings of 500 people that brought down to 50 earlier on care homes carved in gloves gloves and masks now they all have to wear it so later on they might come to the conclusion that people also should wear masks in public spaces in like for example, when they're going shopping into a shopping mall, it's very rare to find people wearing masks in street. So we are asking, what can we learn from this? I would think that one thing they could learn, if you want to continue having a relaxed, as close to normal, response to COVID, social distancing, hygiene, no doubt, but everybody should be wearing masks when they are in, not when you're when there's nobody around. Their population density is more but when they go into a supermarket or any of the shop they're all open well. they should be covering them all everyone why the evidence very clearly shows from studies right if you look at the effectiveness of masks means everybody should be wearing them Then i don't spread infection and you don't get infected you don't know if i'm infected i don't know if you are infected right so everybody wears it. so the analysis shows of people wear masks which are at least 80% effective, then the infection would stop completely. Why? I won't exhale any virus out. It won't fall on the ground. No, nothing gets infected. And very soon there's no infection. Because this virus needs people to replicate. It can survive on the surface for some time, but it'll die. But if it's got a human being, it will replicate. It cannot get from me to you or from you to me. Even better, it actually shows if 60% at least of the people wear masks all the time in public and those masks are at least 60% effective in preventing the spread of virus, your reproductive number will come below one. So, I think this would be the simplest thing that Sweden should Everything else they're doing, they're doing okay. They have their care. What can we learn from them? Most countries in the world want to emerge from the law. Right? I saw a video this morning about, I don't know Spain, or one of those countries. The moment the lockdown was released, people are on the streets doing dances, street dance. See, this is the problem. People under lockdown have not learned how to live life after lockdown. What lockdown should be doing is not only preparing your health systems and getting beds and masks and stuff, teaching people if you want to live life after the lockdown, do what the Swedes are doing. Don't let us come and enforce it on you. Make it your responsibility because you understand. This is what we call social mobilization, which comes from within. In our country, probably the states which are following such things with contact tracing, that's the only thing that Swedes should do better. Norway has a system where of trackers, tracers. So if you have a test, positive test, you can go home. But people follow you up. They contact you. They ring you up to find out, even before your tests come. So they keep track of you. That Those trackers are people from society. Kerala has got the system where they've got a lot of government servants who are trackers. Why can't they train all the citizens to be part of this whole incentive? So if we want to learn from Sweden, we have to learn responsibility. And say, we are in it together. they want to learn from everywhere else, they have to do better contact tracing and they have to wear masks. So I think there are a lot of lessons for India. Learn about the Swedish model. And if you want more details, I'm planning to put out a much more detailed podcast. It gives you the data and the science. that will take longer than this. But this is just a summary of what I think Johnson was asking. Right.
0: So it definitely sounds like uh, the Swedish response is not the same as just chips
1: do nothing. They seem to have their own take on it. And it's also not easy for them. I'm talking about shopkeepers. See, the government will allow any worker who's laid off. 80% of the salary of that person is paid for by the government. But uh, since sales have dropped, the shopkeeper, he's going to be able to apply for loans and he may get some loan deferment and his rent may come down. But he says, I'm making a loss. And in fact, some shopkeeper says, I wish they would lock down. Then my business can declare we locked down because then they'll completely compensate us. So there's a division. It's not easy for them. It's not easy for Swedes to do this because they know that this is a worldwide problem. But at the same time, they're trying to approach it with the semblance of normalcy, which you need. Because as they said, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right? Right. Our lockdowns cannot stay on. It is impossible. The amount of damage this has caused to the economy, number of uh, other health conditions we have neglected, immunizations, HIV, malaria, the world estimates that a lot of people are going to die because of that. And that will be known only by next year. So I think we should have this conversation again, one year from now, and we can review what he started. Hey, Johnson. A COVID number state. to you. I hope I <laughs> answered your question. Thanks a lot for that.
0: And for those of you watching who want to dive deeper into this, if you want to know where's the evidence for what uh, Pratap is saying, uh, we will be linking, as, as my father pointed out, he's got a really in-depth, systematic um, analysis of this. I've uh, taken a sneak peek. All your questions will be answered. But for those of you who just want an overview, we hope you've got uh, a basic idea of what's going on. We we'll link to the more detailed uh, presentation in the notes. And uh, is that it? Uh, that's where that's going Okay. Yeah. Great. So, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks. Thanks, yeah. everyone. And yes, take care. Till next time.